follow Him, we must serve. To follow Him, we must serve. We're looking at pursue service today. That's what we're looking at. We've been looking at pursuing now for uh, four or five weeks since the start of the year. And uh, it is our word for the year. We've got our banners up there. Uh, Philippians 3.14, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. That is our verse for the year and that we want to pursue. Pursue something for the Lord. We've talked about several things when it comes to pursue. We've talked about that that word means is dioko. It means to chase down and capture. To chase down and capture. It's a hunting word. Uh, as if you were stalking your prey. We've talked about pursuing our calling and our heavenly prize. We've talked about pursue it in victory, whatever that calling is, pursue it in victory, and that victory is the resurrection, that is the victory over death, the victory over sin, the, the victory that is to come, that is the perfect world that will be, uh, and the hope that that brings us. We have talked about last week the pursue in prayer, to pursue God in prayer, uh, and that what man is on his knees, he is, and nothing more, to pursue God in prayer, because what we are in our prayer life is who we are, and nothing more. Nothing more. We can, we can dress it up on the outside, but God knows what it is on the inside. So we've, we've talked about pursue, and the idea of pursuing is to be singularly focused. Singularly focused, as if you're running a race. When you're running a race, you don't look around. You're not worried about who's there, who's there, who's doing what. You're not worried about in the stands. You're not worried about anything else. If you're chasing down your prey, you are focused on chasing down your prey. When you need food... And that's what you're chasing down, that's what you're going after, and that is it. Nothing else matters as much as what you are pursuing. So that's the idea when it comes to pursue this year. We want to pursue the work that God puts in front of us as a church. We want to pursue it. Chase it down, capture it, and be about it. So we're looking at that today. Pursue service. We're looking at Luke chapter 12. This is in a, a series of parables that Jesus is talking about in this He's just talked about uh, really proper mindset with possessions, uh, proper mindset when it comes to worldly gifts and worldly possessions is what he's talked about leading up to this. And then he, he kind of piggybacks on that, but he kind of changes gears also. So um, it has a little bit to do with possessions, but, but not so much. We're picking up today in Luke chapter 12, and this is Jesus' words. If you've got a red-letter Bible, this will be almost all in red today. Chapter 12, verse 35. Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. You are to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Blessed will be those servants the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will get ready and have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. If he comes in the middle of the night, or even near dawn, and finds them alert, blessed are those servants. Verse 39, but, na- but know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Lord, Peter asked, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Jesus blowing right past that question. The Lord said... Who then is the faithful and sensible manager his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? 
Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and starts to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unfaithful. Last few verses. And that servant who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. But the one who did not know and did what deserved punishment will receive a light beating from everyone who has been given much. Much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. So Jesus tells two par- parables here, back to back. Peter asks a question. Jesus doesn't pay, Jesus doesn't pay any mind, really. He, just, he answers it with another question, which is kind of what good leaders do most of the time. They don't give you the exact answer, although that's what we want. That's what good parents do most of the time. They don't give the exact answer. Sometimes they just give you a question for you to make the decision on your own, and Jesus just blows right past Peter's question and continues giving the truth about service that he wants to give. So we start there, and it says that be ready for service. Okay, If you're in the King James, you know it says that completely different than, than that. It says to gird up your loins. Same thing. It's the reason why the contemporary English languages have taken that and said be ready for service is because that's what it's saying. It's no different than if in the word, the, the Hebrew idiom, the, the saying that meant something else was it's raining cats and dogs. And then the English said it's raining really hard. Okay, It's the same thing. So if your King James says it's girding up his loins, that's what it's talking about. And you, you've heard this, I'm sure, numerous times in church. All that means is they were wearing a long robe, and when it was time to get busy doing something, you took the end of that robe and you tucked it in your belt so you could move and so you could do something. So gird up your loins. Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. How do we light our lamps as Christians? What is our light? God says to let our light shine. What is our light? It is our good works of service. It is our love. So first of all, if you want to shine your light, if you want, to, if you want your lamp lit, first of all, you have to be saved. That's the first step. You have to be saved. Your, your lamp has to have the oil of grace inside of it. God has had to, you have had to accept God's grace, His, His payment for sin, which is Jesus on the cross. We have to accept Him as King, accept Him as Lord, and that puts the oil in our lamp. And then it's up to us to trim the wick and to light the wick and to make sure we're staying in contact with the Lord so that oil stays full as we move forward. So first you have to be saved, but then we have to be about the business of the kingdom. We have to be doing what God says. He says, be ready for service and have your lamps lit. And he moves on there. He says, you are to be, talking about these people ready for service and having their lamps lit, you are to be people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet. That's key. So that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. That's key. So we're to be ready. We're to gird up our loins. We're to be ready for service. We're to have to have our, 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 in nowadays and times, our britches pulled up and our belt sinks tight. It's time to go to work. Have your lamp lit. And he says, that you're, you're to be like people waiting on their master returning from a wedding banquet. Now, to us, that can get lost. Okay? 
uh, in modern times and especially in white America modern times because we have a time we start and we pretty much have a time we're going to finish. And that's pretty much the way it is. I've told y'all stories before. My, my best friend back home uh, growing up, was he was uh, originally from Mexico City. Uh, and if they had a party, they had a party. If it was supposed to be on Saturday, sometimes that meant Saturday and Sunday. There was no time to show up. There was no time to leave. You just came and went as you pleased. Much more similar to the way it was back then than the way it is for us. The way we do it is not wrong, but you can miss what Jesus is saying here. Sometimes a wedding banquet would be four days. Most of the time it would be a week. Depending on the wealth of the person and where they were in the time of the year and things like that, it could last for up to a month. Now, only a few people would stay that long at a wedding banquet the entire month, but there would be lots of people and lots of family that would come and go. They'd come for a few days, they'd come for a week, maybe two. So if you were a servant at your master's home and he told you that he was leaving for a wedding banquet, you literally had no idea when he was coming back. Very contrary to us, right? Like we kind of expect a time and when it starts getting close to that time, we start doing that. Just like you're going to do here in about 24 minutes. You're going to start itchy and itching and moving in your seat and then that will remind me to look at the clock and I'll know it's about time to go. Right? It was not like that back then. So the master has gone to the wedding banquet, and you have no idea when he's coming back as his servant. But you better be ready as a servant. You don't have rights as a servant, as a slave. Now, that's not like the modern-day slave, but it's, the, it's, it's still a person that has no rights. Your rights are owned by the master. The servant's rights were owned by the master, and he better be ready when the master returned. And that's the key there at the end. They can open the door for him at once. The master comes home, he knocks on the door, and there best be somebody on the other side of that door ready for him, ready for him to return, ready for what needs to take place. Better have something ready for him to eat. He may have just came from a party, but who knows how far he had to travel. But you better be ready. And that's what Jesus is telling us. You are my servants, and I'm leaving for a little while. But I'm coming back. I may come back in the form of our individual deaths. That's something we don't think about when we read this verse. Or it may be when he comes back for good, for good. Either way, it's the same. Either way, he has come. Either way, judgment has come. So it says that we are to be uh, ready at once to open the door. And then he says, if you are, that word there, that's a word we like. If you are that servant, then you will be blessed. Our, our, most, our most accurate word in English to the word that is just happy. That's all blessed means. Anytime you get something good, it makes you happy. You are blessed. Jesus says, if you are the servant that is ready for work, ready to serve, ready to do your job, when I come back, you will be blessed. You will be glad that you did. You will be blessed. He says, truly, I tell you, he will get ready, have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. Now, that's crazy. Now, when you read that whole parable, it's, it's easy to miss that. I know I missed it numerous times. I, got, I get confused on who the servant and who the master and what they're doing. That is the master coming back, finding the servant ready. The servant has prepared the table. The servant has prepared the meal. The, he has the house ready. 
and the laundry's picked up, like the floors are clean and the sink is clear, like all the things, right? All the things, men, that your wife wants when they get home that we don't do very often or often enough. Everything is ready. He knocks on the door. The servant opens the door. It's all ready. And then the master says, great job. Now sit down and let me serve you. <laughs> what a God. What a master. That's how he's going to bless us. He's going to give us more than we could possibly imagine. It's not that we're servants just for the sake of serving. We're servants to a God that wants and desires and says he will, without a doubt, bless us in our doing what we are supposed to do. That is an awesome God. That's an awesome, that's a God worth worshiping. That's a God worth following. A God that promises that if you're ready to serve him, he is in turn ready to serve you. Sit down at the table because I have come to serve you. That's pretty cool. Verse 38, moving right through. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near the dawn or, and finds them alert, again, blessed are those servants. Now, again, in your King James, it may say the second watch or the third watch. Same difference. Okay, the second watch, there's three watches in the, uh, of the night in the Hebrew term. There was four in the Romans, but we're talking about Hebrew people. Okay, the Israelites, there's three watches of the night. So, so three sections of hours when you would be watching for the enemy in war terms or for the master in these terms. He says, it doesn't matter. He may come in the middle of the night. He may come near the dawn. It may be at midnight. It may be at five or six in the morning. We don't know when he's coming, but those that are alert with their loins girded, with their lamps full of oil and their wicks trimmed, and they're ready to light that thing in a moment's notice, the ones that are alert will be blessed. They will be blessed. So, moving right along to verse 42. The Lord said, moving right past Peter's question, okay? There's a, there's a lot we could dig into that, but it doesn't pertain to what we're talking about today. Then the Lord said, who then is this faithful and sensible manager? So continuing the same thing, be ready, but also do your work. Who then is this faithful and sensible manager? Who is it that I'm looking for? What is the definition? How can you define it? Who is a servant of mine, a follower of Jesus? And I love the way he says this. Blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. So the question is, as followers of Jesus, as servants of the king of kings, what is your job? He has given you a job. What is your job? Not your occupation, your job in the kingdom. What has he gifted you specifically to do to further his name, to grow his kingdom, to strengthen his church, to unify his church, to grow his church in depth and in width? What has he given you specifically as a job to do, and are you doing it? That's an important question because he says that's who he is looking for. Who is the faithful and sensible manager of my estate, the faithful and sensible servant of my estate. So in other words, if you have a job and you are not doing your job, then you are unfaithful and unsensible, or foolish would be the word we could put in right there. I don't want to be described as an unfaithful servant of Jesus. I have been an unfaithful servant of Jesus at numerous times, but I don't want God to come back and find me and go, mm, he was doing it right. You were unfaithful. We don't want to be the unfaithful servant. So blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job. So be ready to do your job 
And when it's time to do your job, be doing your job, whatever your job in the kingdom is. And Jesus says, the one that I find doing his job, truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Again, when I find someone that's doing what they're supposed to be doing, so this, you, we read there in the scriptures where it's, this guy was in charge of taking, he was like the head servant. While the master is away, he is to take care of the other servants. So he has a pretty esteemed position in the household. He has a pretty esteemed position. Now he says, if I come back and find you doing that job correctly, now I'm going to bless you even more. I'm going to give you more responsibility and a bigger job and more to do because I have found you to be faithful. I have found you to be faithful. Then we go there in verse 45. But that servant, but excuse me, if that servant says in his heart, if that servant says in his heart, because he would never say this out loud. We would never say it out loud. Eh, I mean, I mean, it's been a couple thousand years. Probably not coming back today. It's all right if I do this today. It's all right if I do that today. It's all right if I ignore them today. It's all right if I don't do the work that he has for me today. We wouldn't say that out loud, but we might say it in our heart. And this servant says in his heart, my master's delaying his coming. Good grief, what a party. What a party, is the servant saying. Is he ever coming home? Ah, probably not. I think I'll just enjoy the spoils of being in charge. I think I'll just enjoy the spoils of being in charge. I'll just sit back and chill for a little while. I'm just going to enjoy it. Look at all the blessings my master has left for me. I got people that I can tell them what to do. I got power. I've got all this food and all this wine. I think I'll just forget this work for a little while because he ain't coming back for a while. I'll just chill. I'll kick back, pour some more wine in the cup, turn on the ball game again and again and again and again because he's not coming back anytime soon to eat and drink and get drunk. No Christian, no Christian, if they thought Jesus was about to come back right now, today, none of us would leave here today or tomorrow if we thought it was tomorrow. None of us would swing by the store and pick up a six-pack. None of us would swing by the store and pick up a couple bottles of wine and be just a little tipsy when Jesus showed up. None of us would do that. Now, I'm not going to belabor that point, but it's a pretty important point. It's a pretty important point. The only reason we do that is because we don't think today will be the day. We don't think Jesus is going to manifest himself right in front of us. But if he did, well, he tells us. <laughs> he tells us what will happen. That servant's master will come on a day when he does not expect and an hour he does not know. And I actually really like the way the King James says what he will do. It, it, the Greek word is like to cut in two, okay? The King James says, and will cut him in sunder. <laughs> now that's a word, cut him in sunder. Literally, the master will come home and cut this dude in half and cast him out because the servant that doesn't do his job is a worthless servant. What's the point? God says, I saved you for a service, I saved you for a job. I didn't save you just to save you so we could sit back on our blessed assurance on our duff and do nothing. He gave us a job. Are we doing our job 
or not? Or is he going to come back and find us and cut us in sunder? That's, I don't know, it's cool. That word's cool. Moving along, because you're loving that point. And those that know but don't do, and those that just don't know. Okay, that's my quick, excuse me, that's my quick rendering of the end there. And those that know but don't do, they're going to be punished a little less. They won't be cut in half. They're going to be just, you know, whipped good and proper. And then those that don't know but don't do, they're just going to get a little bit of punishment. It's, it's God expressing, look, judgment's coming and it's going to be fair. It's going to be fair because I'm God and I'm just. But it's coming. And, and if you're, you're ignorant of what you didn't do, you're still going to have punishment because we're, Romans 1 tells us that we're all we all have seen the glory of God. Walk outside and take a look around. None of us is without, is without excuse in this world. And so he gives us degrees of punishment for those that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And then he finishes with this. And I think this is addressed to the First Baptist churches across the world. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. Real quick side note before, before I make you mad. Side note to the students, because this, is a, this specifically applies to you in the, the area of life you're in right now, this, this time. You're looking for what you're supposed to do at this point in time in your life. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. What am I supposed to do? The level of meaning and purpose that you find is directly correlated to the responsibility in which you undertake. However much responsibility you undertake, you have, will be directly related to the purpose and meaning that you find in what it is that you're doing. And when you take on responsibility, and it's a weight, that's why we say take it on, and you perform that duty, you do that thing, whatever it is, Scripture says that your responsibility will grow and your purpose and your meaning and your ability to experience and be blessed in this life will grow. And then God says he's going to come back and find you doing your job and then your blessings eternal will grow after, <clears throat> after the master returns. But I think specifically that this, I think it's written to us. Us. First Baptist churches. Why do I say that? You know exactly why I'm saying that. Because First Baptist churches are known to be all across the United States of America, the churches that have plenty. We got plenty. We got more than we need sometimes. First Baptist churches in America, through and through, are the churches that have the resources they need. And God says, those that have been given much... Much will be required. Those that have been given much, much will be required. Have we stopped and thought about that recently? As a follower of Jesus and as a member and a participating follower of Jesus in this church, how much is God when he shows up like that? Like a thief in the night, he says. And you'd be ready for a thief if you knew he was coming. And he says, but, you, but are you ready for me? I'm coming. He shows up like that, and he says, First Baptist Church, and he lays it all out in front of us. Here's all the things I gave you. 
Here's what I let have happen in your life. You were blessed in your life, and you got an education and a good job. I blessed you financially. I blessed you materially. And you came together as a, as a collected body of believers, and therefore the blessings expanded. I gave you much. Is the list of what He gave us going to be anywhere near to the list of what we did with what He gave us? Does, it, does that have anything to do with salvation? No. I'm not, we're not talking about doing good things so that God will love us and care for us. We're talking about purpose. We're talking about meaning. We're talking about chasing down and capturing why you still have a beating heart. Why you can still walk around on this earth. We're talking about that. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Or are we sitting back and just enjoying the spoils of that which, which we have been given? Because God says He's coming back and He's calling you and me and this church and everybody everywhere, whether they believe in Him or not, He's calling everyone to account. And those that have faith in Him, that have placed their, their faith in Him and have received salvation, they will be judged for blessings or not moving forward for eternity. And those that don't have faith in Him, regardless of what they did in their life, they will spend eternity separated from Him forever. But He says, make no mistake, believer or non-believer, you're all going to be called to account. Every single one of us will be called to give an account for what we did with what we were given. And whoever was given much, much will be required. And those that have been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. So while it is an absolute, unbelievable blessing that we come here, and for the most part our temperature is pretty, it's pretty consistent. I know if you're in the very top, you're probably hot right now. And if you're close to those doors, you're probably a little cold, but it's pretty consistent. And the lights are on, and most of the time all this stuff works. And then we can go down the list of all the things that we've been blessed with in this church. I mean, check this out. We had to uh, change out the heater in the baptistry a couple of weeks ago. First time in 41 years. Of course, Wayman knew. First time in 41 years we've had to change out the heater in the baptistry. And we did. And we didn't think anything about it. We called the guy. He came. Brother Larry came. He's going to fix it. We ordered it. Didn't think anything about it. Never crossed our mind. Is that going to be something we need to raise funds for. That's how blessed we are. And I'm very thankful for that heater that's coming in very soon. Jesse can tell you it was pretty cold. So again, Dioko, pursue. Pursue service. Here's some areas where you can pursue service. Because here's, here's the problem. In the time that we're in right now, it's easy to, to use the time that we're in as an excuse. What about my health? What about my safety? There's still things we can do. There's still plenty of things we can do. And instead of using that as an excuse to do nothing and waiting until it gets back to normal so then I can get back to doing something, God says, I may just have a job for you right now if you'll just look around, pray about it, let me prick your heart and show you what you have. So what could you be doing? Comfort and care. There's always someone in the church that needs comfort. There's always someone in the church that needs care for. Always. And that takes no special skills. It just takes a humble heart. It just takes a humble heart to get phone numbers of lonely elderly women that need someone to let them know they love them. It doesn't take much money to go pick up 
a meal at Mariachi and drop it off at someone's house. There's always someone who needs comforting care. And we need to be pursuing service and doing the job that God's given us. How about sharing the gospel? How about inviting people to church? You say, well, they can't come to church right now. They've got X, Y, Z. Exactly. The excuse we've been using not to invite them. Well, guess what? We're all over everywhere. Internet, television, you name it. And if we've got a gospel, a good news to share, then we ought to be sharing it. And if it's changed your life and it's changed my life, then shame on us for not sharing it. Sharing the gospel, inviting people to hear the good news of Jesus. Teaching and admonishing. Teaching and admonishing. We need the seasoned adults in this church to be teaching and admonishing those of us who know less because we haven't experienced as much. We need that. That's a service that you can perform. Using material blessings. Many of us in this church are in a position to have a job of using what we've been given to do good for those around us. Sacrifice a little bit of what we want to give more to those that don't have, that weren't blessed the way that you've been blessed, using material blessings. And then this last one, if none of those got you, then this last one is all of us. The original deacons were formed to wait on tables. In other words, there's something in and around this church that you can do. Anybody can clean a table. Anybody can wash a dish. Some people can work on the building. Some people can't. Some people can be on the safe team. Some people can't. Some people can get a group of people together and say, all right, for the next six months, here's the group of people we're going to call every week to let them know that we love them because Jesus loves them. And we're just going to make phone calls. Find something. Deacons were started. Servants of the church were started because they needed help waiting on tables. There's a service to perform. There's a job to be done. All service means is to be of use, to fulfill a need. Anyone can be a servant. Anyone can fulfill a need. Everyone wants to be useful. Everyone wants to be useful. And when you serve, you are useful. You are fulfilling a need. And then finish with this. Jesus tells us, blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job. Whatever your job is as a servant, God promises you that he will bless you for doing that job instead of sitting back and just enjoying the spoils of that which he has already blessed you with. Because he says he's coming back, and you don't know when, but he is coming, and he is going to call you and me to account for the blessings in which he has given us and the jobs in which he's given us to fulfill. So I, I beg us as a church to pursue him in prayer so that we can determine what we individually and collectively must be doing to serve him so that when he comes back, whether it's today or a hundred years from now, we will be found faithful doing what he has called us to do. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. I thank you that, that you bring meaning and purpose into life, God, because you have called us to serve and you tell us that serving 
is what you have called us to do, God. And in that service, we will find our usefulness. We will find our blessing. We will find what you have called us for, God. And there's no greater joy than doing what you have called us to do. There's no greater joy than fulfilling the purpose for which you created us as the creator of this universe, God. I pray that we would desire to find our job and fulfill our job, whatever it may be, God. And that we would understand that from giving away a lot of money to washing off a table, it's all the same to you. It's all taking what you've given us and using it for your name and your glory. And that whatever we have, we would do just that. We would be found doing our job. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. We'll finish up with a song.